Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. We are kicking off, though, a new series here on Lunchtime Live called Ask Me Anything. And if you're, you know, a Reddit user, you'll know how it operates. You guys ask the questions. We'll bring in various different people from weird or wonderful occupations, maybe people who've just had an unusual or an incredible experience, different background. We have a whole host of suggestions from you, the listeners, over the past number of days. And every Friday afternoon, we'll bring in somebody somebody different and you can ask the questions. As I said a little earlier, you can send them in to me on WhatsApp if you have a message, send it in, or you can send me a voice note either. That's 087-1400-106. But to kick off the series today, I'm joined by Wayne Hart, who is a former prisoner. Wayne spent, I'd say, almost nearly 17 years in prison, had 54 convictions ranging from petty theft to to drug dealing. But he's since turned his life around, left prison for the final time in 2005, and now spends much of his time um, helping Young prisoners reform and and in in rehabilitation. Uh, Wayne, good afternoon. How's it going? Thank good, you. not bad at all. Um, look, I've a whole load of messages here and voice notes, you know, from from people who've loads of questions for you about life behind bars. But I might maybe get one of my own in first of all today. When when you go in or when you're, I suppose, first um, incarcerated or or sent to prison, do prisoners look to find friends, to find allies? I don't want to say join gangs, but I mean. Do you look for people in for security or support? Is that something that happens? The thing is, if you're involved in criminality or drugs or anything like that, the chances are, you know, um, you're going to know a lot of people in there. I remember my first conviction, I think there was about 40 to 50 people from the local area. So <clears throat> it's like a community. It's, it's, it's another society prison, you know. So when when I went in, I didn't have that kind of fear or needing to know anyone or wanting to get know, to know anybody, you know. Um, there was a good 40 people in from around the area, the local area. Okay. So you, you knew people, I mean, from yeah. growing up or and I would have I would have been originally from the northeast inner city and I would have played uh, for O'Toole's. We were originally from the northeast inner city and I would have went to school in the North Strand Tech so I would have been living in the Kilo area. I would have been in town. So I would have known a lot of people in there. Okay. Uh, our first voice note, um, Wayne, is in from Ellen. Ellen has got in touch. Um, let's take a listen. This is Ellen's voice note. Um, yeah, what I want to know is, is there a prison hierarchy? So when you go into prison, like, is there like a top dog? And when you go in, do you have to kind of find out where you fit in that, in the steps of hierarchy? For hierarchy, when it's it's not as straightforward as that, you know. Um, so if you take the current situation in Ireland, the the, the kind of the feuds that's going on, so you would definitely would have a higher hierarchy within them gangs, but they're separated. Do you know what I mean? So um, when I was going in, it was like if you were from cool or Cabaric area and you were known or you had a capability, well then you were kind of looked up to, up to and left alone. But there was no such, no real thing as a hierarchy at that point. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you would kind of, <clears throat> you'd always, you'd always grouped, you know, t- together. You know, you'd, you'd find your own, like, you know what I mean? So if I was in there, you know, it's, it's kind of obvious I'm going to, you know, generate towards the cool or Cabaric lads. You know, I've spent most of me, me, me life out there, you know. Um, but I'd also know a lot of lads from town. So I could I, I could bounce between both. Mm. I was quite lucky like that. 
But I suppose there isn't like, inter, you know, um, maybe it's, it comes, I suppose, from the movies, does it? Or any of the series that we watch. But, but the idea of the, the top dog in, in the prison, that, that doesn't exist. Not really. No. Okay. No. Um, Grace has, has sent in this, uh, this voice note. Did you do any classes while you were in prison? Were there anything like that offered? Yeah, so they have an education system there that matches the education system outside. Same kind of timetable, same, you know, same holidays. All that is the same. Um, so, yeah, I would have I would have done my junior cert. I, I was highly dyslexic and um, I got assessed in prison. And I had the reading and writing ability of a 12-year-old. So I went to the school and they asked them to kind of teach me, which they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I done my junior cert. Now, I've done it three times before I passed it. But that was the start of my whole uh, recovery from the education process. Was it just... It was in prison, yeah. In prison. I, I, okay. I started off, i done a GEA coaching course yeah. in there. I got my GEA coaching license in prison. I got an FAI coaching license in prison. The NCFE were always instructors. So there, 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 there's all that. There was all that now. I was involved in the acting as well, in prison as well. So... You know, the, there is choices. I just didn't want to be wandering around the, the yard listening to blags, jags and monobags. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't serve time in the end. Time served me. As in you benefited from it. You yeah. got an education. When I got to that point of like, yeah. of enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you know, it's, it's um, I suppose it's, like it's, it's an interesting, the comments or the line you just made, Wayne, that you didn't serve time, time, time served you as in... Over the years, I mentioned you were what almost seventeen years in in to, in total in prison. But you came out of prison um, with qualifications that have obviously been able to help you now. And yeah, um, but like uh, <laughs> I hadn't got computer skills or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? And um, I remember going in and asking, you know, the, the social welfare, and you send me on a, a computer course. They said yes. So I was in this place, and they're like, "Have you not got your European driving license?" I said, I haven't even got an Irish driving licence. Why are you on about? Mm. It was an ECDL. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. we're calling a European computer driving licence. I was like, no. And um, I'd done the aptitude test and stuff. <laughs> and they ended up putting me at the MCP, Microsoft, certificate of professionals. I didn't know how to use a, a computer. The last computer I had was an Atari 201977. So you went in, you had to build the computer first. So you were building it from, from scratch. Okay. And then... I couldn't turn around. Your man says, turn around there and hit the space bar. What's a space bar? And he goes, you don't know what a space bar is. I said, yeah, something on Star Trek where they drink. No, I wouldn't be asking if I didn't know, if I knew, like. Um, and then sure, I stuck the disc into the wrong yoke. And the computer was going, gigging, gigging, gigging. You know, so I think I had the break in it. <laughs> hadn't a clue. So I had all the physical stuff. But I hadn't got, you know, the, 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 the academic side or the computer skills, yeah. the IT skills. So that's something you, you picked or, up inside. Or, well, no, because I had all the other stuff, I went on on the outside. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But the starting point, I suppose. The starting point was yeah. in there. That was okay. kind of the turning point. That was the hook for change. Uh, another voice note here, 87 106 is the number. Take a listen. Is being locked up really a deterrent to returning to prison? That's relative to each individual. In each individual. I got to a point when I was 25 and I was like, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not cuffing this cloth. This is not me. I don't want to be doing this. I wanted to stop haunting people. I wanted to stop haunting 
there was another few years, good few years before that transition happened. That you know that that whole cognitive transmission uh, transformation happened. Um, so it's relative, you know. The, the theories out there say you know when you, you you age out, you know what I mean, or when you get married or have kids or get a job or you end up in the army or stuff like that. I I hear all them, but right now education attainment, so I couldn't get a job. Mm. And in the eighties. I mean, people talk about the last recession. I do laugh. In the eighties, they wanted leaving certs to pack shelves and duns. You couldn't get a job, you know. Um, so with no education attainment, so um, all the other stuff didn't didn't kind of really matter. Yeah. I needed the the paperwork. And that's all that the piece the, the piece of paper. Uh, some of the the um, the messages of the text, I should say, even as well, Wayne, coming in here, like this listeners wonder wondering, do do you work in prison? Yeah, a lot of prisoners. Well, <clears throat> it's 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 choice. Do you know what I mean? Um, I was kind of lucky. I always kind of got decent jobs, you know, in the gym or might get a job in the landing or in the library. I work in two two libraries, two different prisons. Um, what does what does that involve? So just like a librarian. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You know, give out the books. Lads are coming by books and give them out. But you also have to go. You have to number them and put the the tag. Everything a librarian does. Yeah. You would do. Yeah. But what uh, does working on the landing mean? Cleaning, sweeping, mopping, okay. cleaning out the solution rooms, whatever. But it depends on the prison you're in. Do you know what I mean? So that's that, so you you've the choice to work, and then if you if you do, now they have um, some of them. They have uh, fabric shops. It could be sewn uh, pillowcases or quilt covers together or jeans. Soul destroying. Working in the fabric shop. Yeah. They used to have the brick shops and the and the wood shops and all that, and they'd done away with it all. Right. The metal shops and all. Meaningful trades, meaningful, yeah. meaningful training. Yeah. You're going in, you know, and you're selling a pillowcase. Like, I'm not going looking for a job selling pillowcases when I go to prison. Right. So what's, I suppose, the most sought after, or where's the most sought, sought after place to work then? The gym. The gym. Yeah. Um, maybe the grounds. So becoming a trustee out around the grounds um, on the landing. The library, they'd be, they'd be the main. Unless, you know, if you're drug free and stuff like that and you want to walk in the, the kitchens. The kitchen is the other the other place as well. Uh, but another voice note in here, Wayne, as well, from uh, Marilu has got in touch. Hi there. I have always wanted to know about prisoners who get institutionalised and if it's a real thing. Um, is it likelier to happen to somebody who's been inside for maybe 14 or 15 years? Or is it as likely to happen to somebody who's in for three or four years? I'm fascinated by it and any information would be appreciated. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good question. Um and my my masters is in criminology and criminal justice, and the theories that are out there suggest that eighteen months you're institutionalised after eighteen months. After eighteen months, you're short period of time, isn't it? Yeah. No, I remember coming out one time, and um, so you're getting up in the morning, you're going down for your breakfast and your dinner and stuff. Like that. So it's all done. You're just going down yeah. and queuing up. Um, and I remember coming out, and the first week, the ten days, I lost half a stone. My meals weren't structured. I was so used to getting them at set times and all. And then I remember my mum saying to me, have a look what you want. And I opened the fridge and I was just, oh, could make a choice. And I shut it. And I was just anting. And then when I used to get me dinner, I'd go up to the bedroom. And my mum come up to me one day and says, when you're not in prison. 
you can eat downstairs. Yeah. It was just, it was just, uh, you know, it was automatic. It was on an autopilot. You get your food, you cook your cell. Do you always, <laughs> you, do you always eat, eat, eat in, in, in your cell? Yeah, yeah. Don't, them films you see, you know, you know, different countries, but in Ireland, yeah. You, you eat your cell. meals in, Unless in you, well, there used to be the training unit um, where you all sat down together and that because it's trying to train you to, to get back into the community. That's gone now. I know the progression unit, I'm not too sure of the structure there or how to do it, but I'd imagine... You know, yeah. Just on that, actually, because there's a couple of texts that come in from people wondering how long do you spend in a cell every day? So you go out at eight in the morning till uh, ten. Then you go from you lock back up from ten to twelve. Then you go twelve till two. Then you lock back up. Then you go four till uh, or two to four. You're back in, and you eight to ten. Locked up ten till twelve. Yeah. Then you go twelve till two. Then you're locked up from two to four, and then you're like, oh, I can't remember, four to half five is wreck anyway. So, yeah, you're back in your cell at, at four. You get back out. So, at most half of seven. your day is actually spent in the cell if you're not working, or then that recreation. Well, even if you are working, the, the workshops will only run for the hours that everyone else is out, unless, okay. as I said, you're, say, um, on the grounds or you're a cleaner on the landing or. Um, in the uh, say I walk in the mess or in the mm. kitchen then you're out from morning to night but you're walking it's, it's a full eight hour day yeah okay I uh, have another voice note here um, Wayne as well from Luke how's it going guys just a quick one for today's show um, so I've been following Wayne's journey over the years on social media and I see that he's in recovery and my question is how did he stop taking drugs in prison and was it difficult to do so thank you Good question, yeah. Um, yeah, um, it was by chance, pure fluke. I was a ball boy, so I wasn't allowed out of my cell after four o'clock in the day. So I didn't get out on, onto the wreck and a few of the lads were up and they were in a Narcotics Anonymous meeting in the prison and they were talking about me. And the chap that was doing secretary that came in to do service in the prison for Narcotics Anonymous he had been walking the landings with me about two years earlier. And he said, that way in here from? And he said, yeah. So he said to the prison officer, he said, you've a lad down there in the cell, Wayne Hart, he's entitled to come to a meeting. He's a member of Narcotics Anonymous. No, it wasn't. Um, I'll be forever grateful to him. So we went up. But I used to go to the meetings then to be able to wheel and deal and move stuff around the prison and stuff like that. But something clicked. And then this particular member, Joe C, I'll never forget him. And... Uh, he went off backpacking across Southeast Asia and he used to send me a postcard every week from all the different countries and it was the first time someone had reached out to me and went looking for something and it just kind of got me in the end you know and it took a long time for me to get mm. clean but I knew there was a way out and thank God today we have Narcotics Anonymous meetings in every prison in Ireland and all, all the hospitals and stuff, yeah. all the jails and institutions. So the answer to that, um, Lucas, yes there is. Yeah, there is and and I and I'm I'm sure like it's very difficult and a lot of work as well for you personally you know one for yeah. others way into I mean coming from a, a background of selling and dealing drugs you know what I mean and then on them as well it's hard and I remember there'd be droughts in the street there'd be drugs in the prison that's how available it was you know because you have to remember there's people coming in from other countries and they're, they're getting caught or you know so there might be drugs in the streets of Ireland but you have people coming in that are getting caught and they bring stuff in with them and 
you know, all these kind of toys I made in the prison then. Okay. But, um, yeah, but there is, you, you can go to them, like, you can get a methadone detox, you know, um, and then if, like, say, for example, in Weefield, they've drug-free landings. The progression unit in Mount Joy is a drug-free landing. So once you're drug-free... And get to there. So it's what, it's what you want. Okay. You know? An incentive, I suppose, then for, for that as well. I have another, another WhatsApp here uh, from Peter this time, Wayne. What do you miss most when you're in prison? Chicken kebabs. As simple as that. Yeah, it's it's the list. I could go on and on and on. Everything. I mean, it has to be the whole relationship piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, goods and services, everything's taken away from you. Freedom, the law, everything is controlled by somebody. We'll tell you when you can have a visit, if you're getting the visit. We'll let you know if you're getting a phone call, if we give you a phone call, you know, if you can get to a phone. Um, you know, letters, just that, that whole relationship with someone. And, you know, for me, it had to be my family, my kids. Yeah. How many kids had At you? At that time, I'd three. Three kids, yeah. Um, just when you talk about the connection with people, actually, the texting from a listener here wondering about what is the relationship like with the guards, prison guards, I presume. Is it friendly or standoffish? So, it's different. Do you know what I mean? Um, thank God, like, the, the prison service is a lot better now. They're trained a lot different now, you know. And I've actually done training down the stack house of prison officers. Um, they're trained so much different differently now. Back in the day, there was a culture. They'd come out Mount Joy and go up to the corner pub there. They'd have that lunch, have a few points. You're coming back in drunk, you know what I mean? Nothing's liable to happen, you know, um, from both sides. But you will always get officers that are there to do the job, you know, don't break the rules, but aren't stringent or overburdened. You know I what suppose I mean? it depends on the behaviour, I presume, does it? Oh, well, I remember I was shipped up to Weefield when I first out in 1989 and uh, they mixed St. Patrick's and, for the first time, St. Patrick's and Mountjoy Prison together. So you had young lads and older lads and they sent us up. There was only three landings open out of ten. Now, we ended up wrecking the place and causing thousands of pounds worth of damage because when we got up there, they took all their, their clothes off us and... We were given prison uniforms and if your button was, you know, open or your short out, mm. report, report, report. There was a fellow up there, he was calling negative, positive, Mr. Edwards. And no matter what, P19, 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 mm. you know, okay. yeah, you're on report all the time. Let me just take one quick voice note, if you don't mind, Wayne. Uh, John, John, what's your question? Hi, Andrea. Uh, I just wanted to ask your guest, if... Um it is true that uh, prisoners sometimes make improvised weapons from everyday items around the, the prison, like toothbrushes and so on. Um, has he ever come across that? Yeah, the answer is yes. Um, anything can become a weapon. You know, a couple of batteries in a sock, pill ball in a sock, you know what I mean? Um, and they do serious damage. It used to be a joke, a friend of mine, uh, Darden, and you say, oh, a can of beans out of the kitchen. <laughs> Two socks and a can of beans, tired and they're not. They've never, never done it, and I was just a running joke. But yeah, all sorts. Um, very <laughs> entrepreneurial in there. Yeah, anything can become, uh, any everyday item. 
could easily yeah. become. You'd be getting a piece of steel off, you know, something like the sewing machine or something, you know, to the workshop, and yeah. then you'd be days on the ground putting them, putting them into a point and all, but um, be ingenious some of the things that. Uh, that are made up. I, 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 we could spend another half an hour <laughs> taking listeners' questions, Wayne, from uh, from people getting in touch today. But uh, as I said, I, I know you know a lot of your work now since you um, since you left prison in two thousand and five is very much focused around rehabilitation, and even for other prisoners when they're they're released um, from prison and, and helping, I suppose, young young prisoners as well. So thank you for for coming in and joining us today. All right, cheers, thanks, yeah. Wayne Hart, and right. we will continue our Ask Me Anything series as well next Friday. You can send your suggestions to lunchtime live at newstalk.com Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.